Good morning, Bridge Goldsboro. I'm so glad you're here. If you're here for the very first time today or you're new around here, I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Bridge Goldsboro. And we are in this series called Confidence. We're in week two, and we're talking about how to live confidently in a world that presents insecurity to us constantly. You ever been in a situation where you just kind of give in to insecurity? Uh, you're not alone. There are lots of things in this world that make us feel that way. When you lose your job, there's a little bit of rejection. When someone in a relationship hurts you, there's, there's rejection. When uh, you, you feel these feelings that say, I'm not good enough, and you have to fight those. And so we're talking about how to live confidently in a life that continually presents opportunities to be unconfident, to have insecurity. Uh, we talked last week that Jesus Christ and your relationship with him, that's the main source of confidence. And today, I, I want to kind of approach this from a, a slightly different perspective, and I want to tell you a story to start with. Can, we, can you listen to a story real quick? That, okay, you're going to whether you want to or not. That's the beautiful part about the way this works. Uh, so I, I was at this amusement park with some friends, and they boasted, the, the amusement park did, that they had a roller coaster that was the tallest inverted roller coaster in America. So we rode it. Okay, we had to get on this thing. Some, some of you were like running away. We, we ran to it. Um, and with any roller coaster, there's always a wait in line. And then there's, you know, you finally get into the car. You're really excited. And then there's the harness check. You know what I'm talking about? That's the moment in time where they put the harness over you. And you ask yourself the question, do I really want to do this? <laughs> and, and then, you know, you get past that. And then the, the thing starts moving. At that point, it's too late. And, and then you start, you go up this incline. The first incline, you know, right before it drops you off into the oblivion. And there's this sound they do. I don't even know if it's, if, if it's needed, but they do it, I think, just to get you going. It's click, 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 all, you know, all the way up. And when you hear that sound, it's like, oh, yeah, baby, things are getting ready to get real. Um, and it's, it's crazy. Well, on this particular day, this particular time, there was a kid uh, who was getting on, I think, with his dad. And he was nervous in line. I could tell the dad was trying to help him, but he was nervous. And he, he got to the place where the platform is where you get into the cars, and he was starting to get a little bit more nervous. And, and then they did the harness check, and he was starting to squirm. And then all of a sudden, the, the click, click, click comes. He was yelling at the top of his lungs, Get me off of this thing! I want off! And by that time, it's, it's too late. And, you know, you always feel bad when, when you see something like that because they can't stop the ride, Right? But then there's a part of you that's excited because you want to see if he's going to throw up or not. And, you know, I, and of course, if he's sitting behind you, then you're excited. Um, but so we, we go, and the click, click, click happens, and we get all the way up to the top. And by that point, you know, it's the, one of the tallest in America. And you can literally see neighborhoods on the outskirts of the park. I mean, you can see the whole thing. And I knew this first drop was going to be a doozy. And by this time, this kid is screaming, and he's pushing on that harness. And I'm like, dude, it's too late to push the harness. Like, you're on, you know. The ride's not stopping. And then the, the first couple of cars kind of tip over the edge. If you've ever ridden on the front, you can know what I'm talking about. You just kind of hang there for a minute, and this drop literally goes straight down. And then the first couple of cars get over, and then the, the last ones just whip over the edge, and off we go. Uh, we are going up and down and left and right and twirling and doing all this kind of thing. And we're doing it fast. And this kid is yelling, ah, get me off, you know. And some people are yelling excitedly. He was yelling in complete terror. And the funny part about it is, and I keep saying funny, please don't get me wrong, I kind of felt bad, but in the moment it was funnier than I felt bad. And, and he's screaming, and, and every time we go into a loop, he screams, and then it comes to the other side where the gravity pulls in, and he goes, ah, <laughs> you know, and he went back and forth from yelling to sucking it in, trying to hold the G-force. 
Um, and after it was over, I kind of waited around because I wanted to see him get off and see if he threw up. So he, he comes off. He didn't throw up, but he looked like he had just seen a ghost. I mean, he was horrified. And I don't know where that guy is now, but I'm sure he has roller coaster issues. <laughs> and, but he, he did it. And, and I'll bet he wishes that he could have just got off out of the line and stopped himself from getting on it. That's kind of the thought I had. He, there, there was a moment in time where he could have stopped and said, I don't want to ride this thing. Um, and it was when he was in line. But he had the choice. He chose to, <laughs> to ride the roller coaster. I don't know why. Maybe he, he, he hoped that he would like it. Maybe he kind of got lost in the moment. Maybe, maybe because, you know, he, he felt like just doing it at the time. I don't know. Whatever it was, but ultimately, it ruined his day. <laughs> he ruined. We're in this series called Confidence, learning how to live in a, in a way that is confident, the way God designed us to live. And the opposite of that is insecurity. The opposite of confidence is insecurity. And insecurity is a lot like this roller coaster. And you're going to hear me talk about the insecurity roller coaster today. This insecurity roller coaster, it, just like this kid, it starts out seeming like the okay thing to do. Um, but then before we know it, we are being whipped back and forth, up and right, left and up and down by decisions in our lives that are being fueled by, now I say this, the soft truth, I say it lo lovingly, it's being fueled by dysfunction in us. It's being fueled by something that God didn't put there. And once we're on this roller coaster, we want to get off and we can't. It, it, in that particular situation, whatever it is, it takes us up and down, left and right, and it, it steers us. The insecurity roller coaster in our lives, it makes small things big things. It makes us feel things that aren't really true. It makes us feel like that we're not good enough or smart enough, and we're looping around this roller coaster, and, and we're not worthy enough, or we, we can't be liked or cared for the way that we long to be. And so in pursuit of those things the way we want them to be, what we do is we look at other people in our lives that are the closest to us, and I'm, I'm just going to say it bluntly, we burden them with filling a God-shaped void inside of us that only God can fill. And because only God can fill it, that means the person that you're looking at, whoever that happens to be at the given time, they're incapable of filling it. In fact, they're human, which means they can, they're flawed. They're not perfect. And what happens is, is we're actually asking them to do something that they could never do. And it's, it's, it's the equivalent. I like to just use this as, a, as an illustration. Walking up to someone and giving them 800 pounds and saying, here, carry this. <laughs> Somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> That's what happens. I mean, when you're giving you 800 pounds, asking you to carry around, you're going you're gonna to get hurt. And that's, that's what happens when we ride the insecurity roller coaster. We're seeking someone else or something to fill a God-shaped void, and we end up hurting people we love, and we end up doing damage to what could be life-giving relationships. And here's the kicker. Most of the time, we don't even mean to. Most of the time, we're riding this insecurity roller coaster, and kind of like consciously, we don't even know we're on the ride. We get on it willingly, meaning we make the decisions to do these things, but most of the time, we're screaming on the inside that we don't want to be this way. And we don't know why we, we can't, we, we, why we can't stop. We, we're, we're on this roller coaster, but we're screaming on the inside that we want to get off. And when the ride is over, when that situation is over, most of the time, we, we've assumed things that weren't true, Maybe we've said things that we didn't mean, but you have a choice at that moment. You have a choice whether we can, we're going to stop and see and, and comprehend why we feel this way. We're going to figure out why it is that, that my mind goes there and try to do something about it, or we can ignore that, and when the situation comes back up, 
we write it again. And, and we, we do it over and over again. And so today, I, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how to get off the insecurity roller coaster. Anybody want to do that? I, I want to learn how to get off of this, this emotional up and down, this insecurity that makes me feel like that somebody else has to fill me up and God somehow can't do it. You're asking for trouble. And so let's talk today about how to get off the insecurity roller coaster. It's not, it's not always easy to walk in confidence like that, um, but God says it's doable. And so that's God's desire for you, and that's His heart for you, is for you to walk confidently. Now, I, I want to tell you this. How many of you have ever ridden a roller coaster or seen one? And if you've ever been in line, there's always this sign that has warnings on it, right? And it says, stop if you're pregnant. So Cassie wouldn't have been able to ride it. Uh, it, says, it says, stop if you have back issues, because if you keep going, you're going to have some more, right? Or, or, or stop if, you know, you have issues with dizziness, because you're more than likely going to have a lot of problems um, on this. Or, or stop if you just don't feel like you're going to be okay when you get done with this ride, like this kid was. I, I don't know. But if you don't pay attention to the warning, you could get hurt by getting on this, this ride. And at that point, people can either look at the warning and heed to it and save themselves a lot of hurt, or they can, they can ride it anyway. And the insecurity roller coaster in our life, lives, it has the exact same sign. The warnings look a little bit different, um, but you get to decide whether or not you heed the warnings or not and, and walk forward and hurt yourself or somebody around you with the insecurities in your life, or you get to decide whether you're going to get out of line. And, and seek something else for your confidence. And there are several things on this sign, and I just want to tell you what they are, because I believe this, the part I said a minute ago, a lot of people don't even know they're writing it. They, they, they see the outcome, but they don't really understand why it is that they have the results they have in their lives where they're hurting people and they're, and they're staying unfulfilled. And so I just want to tell you what these signs say, and, and I'm just going to tell you, if you'll really heed to the warnings when you're tempted, then you're going to stay off of the insecurity roller coaster, and you'll live life the way God intended you to live confidently. So are you interested in hearing what this sign has to say? That was like two of you. Okay, the rest of you. Are you interested in hearing it? Yeah. All right, here we go. So here's, here it is. The first warning sign is this. Stop unrealistic expectations. Stop unrealistic expectations. Did you know that one of the biggest confidence drainers is feeling like you have to be flawless? That's an unrealistic expectation, but it's, it's so funny how many of us feel like we have to be flawless. Now, we all know we're not perfect. We all would say that. But here, here's a word that we've adopted that is acceptable to us, and I don't believe it should be, and that is a perfectionist. A perfectionism. You, you, know, you, ever, you ever heard of that? It's almost a badge of honor nowadays. Well, I'm a perfectionist, so I have to do it this way. Or I'm, I have, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, so you know, you know Sally Joe's going to do it right. She's a perfectionist. And so we, we almost look at it like a badge of honor. But let me tell you, perfectionism is an insecurity in disguise. The, the only one that's perfect in this life is God. No matter how much I do, it's, it's always perfectionism is, is this attitude that says I should have done more. Perfectionism is this attitude that says, I could have done it, I could have done it better. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do it right. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to learn and do it better next time. That's healthy. But if you pay attention to what you say, if, if your favorite phrases are, I ought to, or I should have, or I have to, or I must, then you might be in line to ride the insecurity roller coaster. Look at your to-do list. How many of you make to-do lists? We, we all kind of do, whether it's a mental to-do list or one we write down. The average person has about nine things 
on their to-do list. Uh, three of them they actually get done. Three they delegate to somebody else. And three they forget about. <laughs> and they go home, they put their feet up, and they call it a good day. Um, and they're happy with themselves. Uh, the, the perfectionist has uh, about 29 things on their to-do list. And they do 28 of them, and they go home feeling like a failure because they didn't do all of it. And they say, I, I should have been able to get that last one done, or I, I have to get this done. I should have been able to do that. If you're sitting with a perfectionist, I, I want to read a, a verse of Scripture to you, and I challenge you, do not read this out loud, okay? But this is what it said in Psalm 119, 96. It says, even perfection has its limits. And it talks about what real perfection is. It says, but your word has no limit. It says the only thing that we should expect to be perfect is God. That's it. God and his word. And I would say that most perfectionists, they don't even realize they're doing this. But when they take on the attitude of perfectionism, this unrealistic expectation, what they're actually doing is they're lining themselves up and measuring themselves up against the perfection of God. And I think no wonder there's insecurity there because that, that can never be accomplished. We can never measure ourselves up against the perfection of God. Now, am I saying you, you, you shouldn't strive to do your best? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that if you want to be secure, simply plan well, pray diligently, and work hard. And at the end of the day, go home and celebrate your successes. And then reprioritize the next day's stuff you didn't get done. Or reprioritize things that, that you could have done better. But expecting to be perfect, it, it feels like a roller coaster. It feels like an emotional roller coaster. So whether unrealistic expectations are yours or whether someone else is putting them on you, they take up your confidence. And so if you, you need to stop unrealistic expectations. Read the warning sign and heed to it. Everybody say number two. The next thing on the warning sign for the insecurity roller coaster is stop putting off uncomfortable conversations. Don't you love uncomfortable conversations? I mean, we run from uncomfortable conversations like it's the plague. And there are times whenever we're supposed to have uncomfortable conversations because it's actually the thing that's going to move us forward, but we don't have them because of fear. The Bible says that God hasn't given us fear. It's actually not from Him, but He's giving us something else. He's giving us power and love and a, and a sound mind. And if you are experiencing fear because you don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation that you know you need to have, and you're procrastinating and putting it off, you might be in line to ride the insecurity roller coaster. It's a fear that says, I'm going to be rejected if I have that conversation. It's a fear that says, someone's going to be mad at me, so I don't, I don't want to do it. It's just a fear of conflict. But you know what I've realized happens when human beings put off uncomfortable conversations that we know we should have? There, there's a, a lot of time that goes by, and while we're procrastinating, while that time's going by us, we, we make up scenarios in our head that aren't real. <laughs> you ever do that? You, you ever make up a scenario where someone's yelling at you and you're yelling back, but by the time you yell back, you say the perfect thing that really puts them in their place and everyone carries you out on their shoulders because you've rehearsed it 10 times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and so, and so we, we do this in our heads. And, and for some of us, it gets worse. For some of us, there's this real fear that, that someone is going to hurt them or, or sometimes they even imagine themselves hurting somebody else. And that, that plays in your head. And whether we know it or not, it is a fear. And it's interesting because when we do this, our attitudes can very easily show themselves in real life according to what we made up in our head. And we'll avoid people. 
When, when, when we know they're going to be around, we'll avoid them or we'll avoid talking to their friends because God knows they've talked to their friends too about the thing that I've made up in my head. Or, or some people have even changed their daily routine from running into certain people that they know they have an issue with. But if, if we look back on the reality of our history and with, with people in general, we realize that, you know what, nine times out of ten, it never happens like we make it up in our head. How many times have you gone to somebody and, and approached an overdue conversation that you've been putting off and the stress that you put yourself under for two solid weeks wasn't worth it? Because it all ended up just fine. Everything that you thought was going to happen didn't happen. And I think, why do we put those conversations off? They just breed insecurity inside of us. They breed fear. And the fight is always worse in our heads. So don't put off uncomfortable conversations. Let, let me give you a, a, a little bit of perspective. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the, the New Testament. He wrote letters to churches to encourage them and show them how to live in Christ. And we read those letters today. It's part of our Bible. And, and we, that's where we get our instruction for how to live. And in one of these letters, um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, he says this. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, say God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He says, you're chosen, you're holy, and you're dearly loved. So before he gives the instruction, he shows them what their identity is. This is you need to understand this because he confirmed their identity in Christ Jesus first. And that's what he'll do for you every time he's trying to pull you out of this insecurity roller coaster and have confidence in God. Because who you are and whose you are, your identity will always precede your security in life. Every time. You can try to approach any situation, but if you don't know who you are and whose you are, and you don't have that rock solid first, like we talked about last week, Christ Jesus and your relationship with him, and starting to, to, on a path that understands that he died for you and you're his, then you're they're always going to have the propensity to go back to the insecurity roller coaster. Because if you don't have him first, you'll always be looking for something or someone else to fill that God-shaped void. So he, he says, you're holy, you are dearly loved, and you are chosen. Then he says this. Go moving on. He said, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Clothe yourself. And these are the clothes that you wear to an uncomfortable conversation, right? You might have thought you wore Levi's and a nice pullover, but you're, you're wearing this, right? It's, it's not just a good option, he says. He says, you need to cover yourself uh, in these things. Uh, compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And these, this is this instruction that we have from the church. And my question is, is if we put off uncomfortable conversations, how can we ever get there to have these things? How, how am I supposed to bear with somebody who never comes up and tells me a hurt that I may have inadvertently caused in them? How are you able to forgive me if I never actually come to you and tell you what you did that needed forgiving? It's an uncomfortable conversation, I, I know, and it's hard, and I don't want, I would rather just sit back and, and leave, avoid you. I would rather, I'd just go to another church. I'd go to, the, go to another location. I'd go, go to another church in town because that person hurt me, and, and instead of, of having this conversation with them that needs to be had and, and clothing myself in humility and kindness and compassion, oh, and by the way, I'm understanding that I'm in Christ Jesus and I'm his first, I'd rather just leave and avoid it. Guys, this isn't my opinion. This is, this is God talking to us. We're supposed to bear with each other. We're supposed to 
clothe ourselves in forgiveness and have compassion and be humble and give other people the opportunity to have the same. And it will never happen in the insecurity of running away from uncomfortable conversations. He says later in verse 15, he said, let the peace of Christ rule. Let it be in charge. In your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to live in peace. And he, he describes us as a body, as he does in other parts of the scripture. And as Jesus says, we are his body. We are, we are members of his body. Now, a body lives in close proximity. All its members do. Can you imagine a body that your hand was over here and an eye was over here? Unless you're Mr. Potato Head, that doesn't make sense, right? And, and so they're together. They're, they're one. And, and he says they're communicating and they're in proximity. Can you imagine if my brain stopped communicating with my hands? Right? Or, or if my eyes stop communicating with my feet, that your body is in unity and it's working perfectly together. And the church is described like that as a body with many parts working together. But we'd rather run when things get uncomfortable. And you know where we're running? You may think you're running away and for, for something good, but you're actually running right to the insecurity roller coaster and subject to its ups and downs and turns and twists. And, and I think the root behind this particular part of insecurity is thinking that peace means I avoid conflict. Well, I just don't want to say nothing because it's, it's more peaceful for me if I just go this way. Listen, peace isn't even possible without handling conflict well. Some people think that peace is the absence of conflict. No, peace depends on your ability to handle conflict well because Jesus said this. He said, you're going to have trouble in this life. And you know what? Sometimes trouble has a face with eyes and a nose and a mouth, and it looks a lot like a family member you know. Some, sometimes trouble looks like your boss. <laughs> sometimes trouble looks like your best friend. Sometimes trouble looks like that person sitting on uh, a few rows ahead of you to the left a little bit. Don't look there. <laughs> sometimes it does. And, and some, he said, but in this life, you're going to have trouble, but you can take heart because I've overcome all of that. And, and he told us later, the Apostle Paul, that your battle isn't against them but it's against somebody that's working inside of you and them trying to pull you to this thing called the insecurity roller coaster and make decisions based on that. It's Satan at work in this world trying to turn us on each other and therefore ruin God's church. He says, don't, don't run from this stuff, but bear with each other and, and have these hard conversations. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's difficult. But when, when you go to somebody... When you have that hard conversation, whether it's your spouse or a friend or whoever it is, what you don't realize, or maybe right now, is that you're actually giving opportunity for them to walk in humility. You're giving the, 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 the relationship an opportunity for some forgiveness to be there. When they come to you, you're, they're giving you the opportunity to walk in humility. And I can tell you, forgiveness, humility, kindness, compassion... When you have those things in a relationship, it's the most secure thing you could ever imagine. It is. It's the complete opposite of insecurity. So we have a choice. We can read the sign that says, stop avoiding uncomfortable conversations, and we can go to people understanding who we are, whose we are, and then clothe ourselves in humility and kindness and patience and love them and bear with them. It, go, having these difficult conversations in Christ, knowing who we are, it, it's a breeding ground for restoration. And that's what we're supposed to do. So that's, that's the warning. Here's the third one. It's a tough one. It's always hard to hear, but it's, it's a warning nonetheless on the line leading up to the insecurity roller coaster. And that's stop 
thinking it's all about you. That's, that's a tough one, isn't it? When you're constantly searching for someone else to fill your emotional tank that's being drained by insecurity, you have a self-centered worldview. I'm looking at the world based on how somebody else can fill me up. I'm looking at my life depending on someone else to validate me. So here's what we do, and we don't even know it. We look for problems that aren't there to fix issues that aren't really that big a deal, just to reassure myself that I'm liked and I'm valued and I'm cared for. And it's a continual cycle and ride that never stops. You ever know somebody who makes a big deal out of nothing, and then all of a sudden an argument starts? You, you ever notice that? It's not really the issue at hand. Really, it's someone riding the insecurity roller coaster. It's somebody that is trying to fill themselves uh, with, with something. And, and Proverbs 28, 25, that maybe they don't even realize it, but this is what it says. It says, the greedy stir up conflict. Someone who's thinking about themselves, they stir up conflict. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. And now the Hebrew uh, for the word conflict actually means contest. Somebody who is constantly seeking something to validate themselves, they create contests in life. You know what a contest is? Well, let me give you a description. A contest has two sides, <laughs> and, and then there's a competition, and then there's a winner, and then there's a loser. So it's the, actually the exact opposite of what Paul said unity in a relationship is supposed to look like. And so when you have people that are constantly riding this insecurity roller coaster, and they're seeking somebody to validate them, and every situation becomes about that, the byproduct is I create contests and quarrels with people that I love the most in my life, and I, I draw sides. And that, that's what happens. And I think it's interesting that it, it doesn't say that they do it on purpose. It's just a byproduct. It's a byproduct of having a self-centered worldview. In other words, sometimes greedy people don't know they're being greedy. Sometimes it's people that are well-meaning and they just don't know they have an issue. But if they'll look back at the, at, the, at the trail that they've left and they can see strained relationships and they can see feeling empty most of the time, it's a warning that says, hey, you're on the insecurity roller coaster and maybe you should get off when the thing parks at the bay. Insecurity, it leaves your emotional tank empty. So to fill it up, I have to draw a battle line with people that I love over things that don't really matter and small things become big things just so I can fill up. And, but I love how the verse ended. It says, you don't have to say that way. It said, but those who trust in the Lord are going to prosper. In other words, I stopped trusting in somebody else to give me what I need, that, that God-shaped void that only he can fill. And then I, I, I begin to trust in God, and it says that they prosper. Now, the King James Version there, some of that might confuse you. King James Version is just a translation of the Bible that was the first one translated from Greek. And so we go back there for study. There's lots of good translations out there. Um, but the King James Version says, you'll be made fat. Some of you are like, it's January, I have a New Year's resolution, I ain't doing that. No, the, the, it actually means this. It means that you'll be filled. It means that you'll be satisfied. The Hebrew there actually means that when you trust in the Lord, you'll be anointed. It, it's, it's this dichotomy, this separation. People with a self-centered worldview, they create quarrels. They create contests. They, they draw people away. They draw them in first. They, they fight and battle, and then there's this separation. But when you trust in the Lord, you'll be satisfied. You'll be filled. You'll have everything you need so that when you approach people in your life that you love, you're not coming to the equation trying to get someone to fill you. You're bringing your own joy to the relationship because you've been with God. 
You've been with the true source. You're not looking for someone else to make you happy in all things because you're bringing your own happiness to the relationship because you've, you've abandoned the insecurity roller coaster and you hopped on the God train and now he is filling your life with the fullness of Jesus Christ and you're understanding that I'm chosen. You're understanding that I'm dearly loved by God. Ephesians 1 said that he chose you before the foundations of the earth were created to be holy and blame, blameless in Jesus Christ. And when you, when you really understand that, when you get a glimpse that I am chosen by God himself before he created Adam and Eve, he knew me. How can I go into any other relationship with an with a imperfect human being and expect them to fill a, a void like, like that in my life? Only God can do it. God filled that void in you. Would we latch on to him? Would we bring all the joy that he gives into the relationship? Or as King James would say, would we be fat? <laughs> How many people want to be fat in here? Don't answer that. Just something to think about. Philippians chapter 2 uh, kind of emphasizes a story about Jesus. He, he was with his disciples one day. I, I, I gotta, Jesus, out of all the people that have ever lived, Billions and billions and billions. He was the only one that could have made it all about him. <laughs> right? He was God. He could have made it all about him. He could have. And in the moment with his disciples right before he died, he was feeling anxiety. Man, read the scriptures. He was, he was anxiety to the most. You think you feel anxiety? Read and study what happened to Jesus internally. And, and he could have made it all about him right there. But in the, in, in the night before he died, he he actually humbled himself. He looks around the room. He sees the 12 disciples. He understands that he's the most powerful person in the room. And then he lowered himself because he'd been with God. Confidence he had in him. And he served the disciples. He washed their feet. Remember the story? Anybody remember that? He washes his disciples' feet. Now, that was the lowest job anybody could have because they all wore sandals back in the day and they had dusty, manure-filled roads from the donkeys and things that would ride goats. And by the time you got to where you were going, your feet had some stuff on them. You know what I'm saying? And, and dirt and, and all this other kind. And, and a, a servant, that was their job, to wash the feet of someone coming into a house. And the lowest job, Jesus, he lowered himself and he begins to wash their feet. Peter was like, no, you can't wash my feet. Like that, no. And, and Jesus had to school him a little bit. But that's what he did. He, he, he literally took himself, who was the most powerful, most authority-filled person in all of history, and he lowered himself. He could have made it about him, but he didn't. And that was a powerful statement because he said that's the posture that you're supposed to live for one another. That, that's the, the attitude that you should have with one another. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul, he's writing a letter, and he's, he's saying this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that Christ had who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. And he humbled himself. Do you know it's impossible to do that when you're riding the insecurity roller coaster? Because you can't do it. I can't look to you because I'm looking for you to fill me. I might look to you for a minute, but it's a facade. It, 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 there, there's an end game to that. It is, I have to do this long enough so that I can get to a place where you can fill me, and the minute you don't fill me, I'm out, and I begin to draw battle lines. And then all of a sudden, we're fighting, and we're quarreling over, over, over issues that have no win. 
And he says, that here, here it is, it's, it's because you're thinking about yourself. Our, our, our job is to take on the same attitude of Christ. He said in verse 3, he said, look, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, it takes humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Do you think that includes other people's emotional needs as well? That's hard to do when you're riding the insecurity roller coaster because insecurity, it keeps you constantly evaluating how every situation can validate you. You're in a room with people and you're looking for something that gives you the right to be there. Or you're, you're with a group of people and you're looking for something that makes you feel like you should be a part. And not only does that ruin you because you're going to be miserable the whole time, not only does that ruin the relationships that you could have with people, but it's not Christ-like because Jesus did the exact opposite. Instead, he lowered himself. So stop thinking it's all about you when it's really about Christ in you. Read the sign and heed the warning. Gage and the team, they're, they're going to come back up now. I, when they do, I, I, I want you to listen to me say this. The main reason why we ride the insecurity roller coaster is because we don't have a root in who Jesus said we are. I mean, what, what's, there to, what's there to be insecure about when we know that we're loved by a king? What's, what's there really to be insecure about when we compare what it is we're looking for in life with a, the God of the universe who said, you're worth it to me? One of my pastors, a great friend of mine today, he's a lot wiser than I am. He works um, as a lawmaker in the General Assembly. And he was telling me about how awesome it felt one day and how validating it felt for the governor to call him in and talk about what a good, good job he was doing in the North Carolina House in the General Assembly. And he was telling me this, and, and he was going, the governor of North Carolina was calling me in there and told me what a good job I was doing. He was over several committees, and he was just telling me how great it felt. I mean, how awesome would that be if your boss called you into an office somewhere and said, I just want you to know you're doing a great job, and I just want you to know that I see what you're doing, and I validate you. Would anybody scoff at that? No, <laughs> we wouldn't. In fact, we want that. A survey was taken, and it was like 100% of people at their job, they want to know how they're doing. That's just an innate need. We, we want to know where we stand. When we do a good job, whenever we want to know where we are. We want to know our place. We want to know, we want to be validated. That's just a human need. And if I can get validated from a boss, if my pastor can be validated by the governor, then why do we have such a hard time being validated by the God of the universe who spoke and things happened? The Bible says in Ephesians 1, I'm just going to repeat it, that he knew you and chose you before he made the earth. And a lot of times we think about that and it just goes over our head and we're like, I just, that's too hard to understand, so I'll go to somebody else and get my validation. We don't do that consciously, but that's really what we do. I've been hearing about God all my life and God this and God that, and just so much goes over our head. But, but do we take the scriptures and really look at them as truth? 
Do, do we take God's word and, and meditate it enough where we're looking at this God and trying to just imagine ourselves and him looking at us and going, what if this is really true? What if, what if the God of the universe, he really does love me enough and was speaking my name long before he made the foundations of the earth? The Bible says he was blessing you in the heavenly realms. The word bless is like if I were to speak blessings over your life. He was speaking well of you in the heavenly realms, in heaven, before he made the earth, before he, he crafted it and formed it. And we stand here today and, and look for validation in somebody else and we walk around insecure. Why? Can you stand with me for just a minute or two? We're getting ready to close here. I think some of us in the room today are really struggling with this, and that was kind of my hope. It's kind of wrestling with this, who am I? Because in order to get off the insecurity roller coaster, maybe some of you are on it right now. You're in a situation right now with somebody at work or maybe someone in your family, and you are riding that thing, baby. You are, you are letting it take you. It is steering you. It is making you make decisions, and you don't even feel like you have a choice in the matter. But at some point soon, the ride's going to end, the motions will calm down, and you're going to have a choice. What am I going to do from here on out? Am I going to read the warning signs? Because guess what? Jesus said, trouble will come again. And will you take heed to these warning signs? And will you take heed to God's word? Some of you are in line right now in that, for that insecurity roller coaster. And you can feel it brewing, and the warning signs are there. There are people that you know you need to talk to but you're putting it off because you're scared. There, there are situations right now where you're looking for someone to fill your tank rather than going to God, and the warning sign is there. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you. And you know you need to make that decision. You know you need to put Christ first. But none of that can happen until we understand that Christ loves you more than anybody ever could, that you are his chosen child, that he did choose you long before. And I think some of us just need to declare that today. That I am chosen. Can you say that? I'm chosen. I am chosen. I love this song. We're just going to sing the chorus of it. It says, I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. And then it makes this bold declaration. I am who you say I am. I'm not who somebody else says I am. I'm not who what that situation says that I am. I'm going to walk into this life understanding and declaring that, God, I don't care what anybody else says or what anything deems me. I am who you say I am. And I want you to get uncomfortable and embarrassed a little bit before God. And I say that intentionally because it's always uncomfortable to our flesh to reject it. <laughs> it is. But I am chosen. I am I, I'm not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And if we can get there, I believe with my whole heart, we can take heed to the warning signs and never ride that insecurity roller coaster again and breathe life into us and live confident as God said we were supposed to live. Confident in him.